0: Jolly Rob. That is so funny. Didn't they do a wonderful job for us today? Our acoustic set. You know, uh, we call Aaron uh, our Minister of Music Big Show. So, because you know he's going to have 55 instruments, you know, over there, you know. And so every now and then we want to break it down and have some acoustic love. How many of y'all like that acoustic love? Bring that earthy. That's that earthy. We ain't got nothing, church, but a praise. Y'all don't know nothing about that. Y'all don't know nothing about them days. You said, I got my hands and my feet. We don't need no music. Y'all don't know nothing about that. Didn't, all they did was go like this. Y'all don't know nothing about that. Y'all know, Don't start nothing, it won't be nothing. <laughs> That's what's up. I'm glad to be, how many of y'all are glad to be in the house of the Lord today with the people of God? I'm excited about um, just the opportunity to be able to worship the Lord and the splendor of holiness. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. And everything, and um, don't forget about our summer camp this summer. We really need you to keep that lifted up in prayer, um, as as this going to be a phenomenal opportunity for us to engage our neighbors in this neighborhood and just love on our neighbors in a phenomenal way. Uh, And so, so I'm excited about that. We're we're all my graduates. We're we're my college graduates, uh, high school graduates. Stand to your feet, real quick. Stand to your feet, real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. We were so glad and thank the Lord that you finished. Amen. amen. That, listen, listen, that's a phenomenal thing for God to grace you to finish what you start. You know, that's a good thing. And, um, and so we want to honor that and honor the Lord's mercy on your ability and God's ability through you to help you to finish that degree. How many of y'all glad y'all finished? How many of y'all glad I'm out of there. That's what y'all saying. Any of y'all going for master's degrees put your hand up Master's next. All right, all right, all right, next level and so and so we're glad for you guys I want to keep you guys lifted up in prayer. want to keep some of our college students have already gone because they have finals this week and the ones that are, that are not from Philly they've already dipped and so we want to keep them lifted during the summertime as um, they will be going back to various places around the world and we want to keep them lifted and keep uh, that, that God that they would keep Christ central, and exalt him um, in every area of their life. So we're excited about that. Again, let's give God a hand. Praise for the mothers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Amen. Mothers are a very, very special part of folks' lives. You know, it's, you know when, a, when a man uh, uh, finishes something, a uh, monument, he don't even think his daddy. You know, if his daddy was in his life, he'd be like, mama, ma, mama, mama. You know, he going he gonna to talk about mama, so mama, you know, my, uh, Mama got a special place in sons' hearts, and so it's a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, thing that, that the Lord has graced us to be able to have women. And we know many of you, like Pastor Larry said earlier, have not uh, your your parent has passed, and so we want to keep that reality in mind. That this day is not always a exciting day for some of some of us here, but it's, it. But but by God's grace, we pray that He would sustain you through this day. Amen, 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 amen. I don't know who that woman was leading praise and worship, but if she need a husband, if she need a husband, you know, I'm free, you know what I'm saying. Give God a hand praise for my wife leading praise and worship. Amen, 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 amen. Um, we were going to do a Mother's Day message, but the Holy Ghost wouldn't meet me in it. And so he met me in Psalm 96. Let's stand and let's read Psalm 96 together. Uh, When you get there, say amen. 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 You know how we do. I'll start off reading, and um, I'll start off reading, and you guys finish. I'll read verse one with you. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Keep going. Amen. Amen. Today, um, the, to- the topic that we're discussing in our worship series is the mission of worship. The mission of worship. Let's pray. Father, we honor you and thank you for uh, bringing us into a relationship with you. And Lord God, today, we, just, we, we help us to revel in that reality. As we begin to talk about the massiveness of worship, we can't help in looking at the massiveness of worship is based on the massiveness of your essence. And so, God, today as we dive in, help this uh, to, to, to be a word for us that, that, that just gives us an enthralled sense of who you are. Lord God, we need it. We are in desperate need of a bigger pictorial of you. And so, God, in order to do that, there is no preacher that can preach the essence of God well. And so, God, with our Holy Ghost help who is in the depths of God and sees all things actual and potential and even looks at the essence of Of who the Godhead is, God, will you give power and strength and wording that would on, even in this finite body with a finite tongue and finite vocabulary, be in some way, shape, or form an exaltational mechanism for you, God. So in order to do that, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, God, our strength, our redeemer in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. You know, as, as, as I've been, uh, you know, walking with God for over 20 years and, and, and trying to go, grow, grow in him, you, there, there, are, there are seasons, that, there's a season that I'm in right now in my own personal walk with the Lord where I've, I've sort of hit a threshold in my vocabulary of honoring him. In, in, in other words, I can tell during the adoration and praise time of my time in, his, in, in, in prayer with him then I'm rushing to the, the the part where I'm asking for stuff, and, 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 and God, is the, God is God is got and even even rushing to repent, but but God's no 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 no, I want you to stay a little bit longer in the first part of this because if you spend time in adoration and praise, it'll it'll fuel and give you a deeper understanding of your need to repent. And what I'll do because you'll pray back to me what I want to do in the first place because you didn't focus on what you wanted from me but you focused on me. Yeah. And when it starts with that and when it starts with that reality, it, 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 there was there, there a need in all of us, in, in, in me in particular, for my bandwidth for who God is to be increased. Yeah. Uh, a ba- bandwidth needing to be increased It's funny. We, well, what do I mean by bandwidth? Well, well, well when, when I went to this conference and and, and, and everybody was able to get on the Wi-Fi network. And when we were getting on the Wi-Fi network, uh, it began to slow down the more and more people got on it. And the reason why it began to slow down, the more and more people, uh, they got the code to get on it, and they got on the Internet with their phones, their iPads, their Android devices, and their computers, and, and, and the Internet began to slow down because the bandwidth capability of the Internet couldn't take all of those people trying to get on the internet at the same time, to the point to where people were trying to get on it next, got rejected from getting on it because they, the bandwidth was 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 uh, limited. but but what the church did and what that ministry did is they paid they, they paid for an upgrade to expand the bandwidth of that internet. So that the internet speed was lightning fast because there was more room for all of those people getting on uh, the internet. Listen, our bandwidth for who God is, to, to be able to experience the multifacetedness of who he is, the massivity of his glory, the glory of his essence, the beauty of his character must be expanded. And because we have the mind of Christ based on 1 Corinthians chapter 2, God has given us the potential, yet we have to press our way in his presence and press our way in, his, in worship to him to honor and lift him up in a way that increases our bandwidth to get to know who he is. And so, and so what is worship? Worship defined worship is this. Worship it to, is to comprehensively identify oneself with the true and living God through Jesus Christ. Worship. To comprehensively identify oneself with the true and living God. And so we come to this psalm, with which there are, multi, there are the, everybody argues the different genres of psalms. There are psalms of trust, there are psalms of praise, there are psalms of lament. And they're messianic psalms, and some people believe under that there are undergirded a multiplicity of different styles of psalms. But we find ourselves today, I'm not going to get in that argument, I'm just going to preach what's in the text. And so what's interesting here in the text today is we have a psalm of praise and worship. And in this psalm of praise and worship, the people of God are being called to recognize worship to be bigger than their own personal individual life but that it's massive and expansive based on the person and nature of who God is, which brings me to my one and only point for today. only got one point today. It's a long one. Y'all know I usually have staccato points, but I got, but I got one point here, and it's a nice long one that's really going to hopefully propositionally sum up what we're going to talk about today. All right? So, 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 so in light of the idea of the mission of worship, what does worship exist for? Here we go. Worship is designed to exalt the essence of God, edify the souls of the redeemed, and evangelize the lost. Let me say that again. Worship is designed to exalt the essence of God, to edify the souls of the redeemed, and to evangelize the lost. That's what, that's what it's designed for. And so we come here to this first verse. The, 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 there's, there's probably one, one of those ways in which, you know, if you want to open up the service real nice when somebody leading praise and worship, they usually like to quote this joint, right? But, but, but if you look at verse one, it says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. This, 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 this is interesting here. That it will call for us to sing to the Lord a new song. Well, why in the world would the psalmist Tell us to sing to the Lord a new song. In other words, should we should st- should we get rid of songs that we have sung, and because those are those are null and void, and only sing new songs? No, that's not what the what the what the psalmist is talking about. The the psalmist is really utilizing the principle of singing a new song to point to what God is like. Let, let, let me explain what I mean. In, in other words, in singing a new song, in, in, in their day, in, in in Old Testament history, in Tanakh. Whenever God would do something, it would spark the people of God and the artists in the kingdom to write new songs. So, so, so in other words, when, 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 when they crossed the Red Sea, they wrote a song. Y'all gonna get with me in a second. Uh, when they crossed the Jordan, they wrote a song. Uh, um, when, when, when water came out of a rock, they wrote a song. When God provided quails in the midst of nothing, They wrote a song. When he when he provided manna from heaven, they wrote a song. Ask David when David sinned, he wrote a song. When he knocked out Goliath, he wrote a song. When he when he broke across the bear and the lion, he wrote a song. In other words, every time there was a fresh experience with God that displayed and gave the people of God a pictorial into who he is, what happened is it 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 caused their artistic juices to flow. And in those artistic juices flowing, it it pointed the people to the fact, the principle of new songs point to the fact that God demands that we experience him and enjoy him in fresh new ways. In other words, it's impossible to say that you know God through Jesus Christ, and you say your life is boring. If if your life is boring, you're you're, you're not recognizing that Lamentations chapter 3 says his mercies are new every day. And because his mercies are new every day, there are always going to be new things that he wants you to experience every single day. However, the problem with some of us is this, is that we're so downtrodden and frustrated and so selfish that we don't open our spiritual eyes to see what he's up to. Because the way that you experience God in fresh and brand spanking new ways is to notice that he's up to something. Let, let, let me let me get, let me get a, a couple of weeks ago I got depressed I called one of my one, one of my boys and we was chopping it up on the phone and I was talking to him he was quiet he wasn't saying nothing to me and then I finished and then he said what you want me to say I said I said yeah I mean man I mean you ain't gonna give a brother no empathy you know what I'm saying he said man remember you preached that message at Epiphany Fellowship where you told the people I'm not gonna join you in that pity party. But to come out here with some joy is, and he said, God is doing too much right now for you to be acting like you're acting right now. He said, I, he said, he said, Mace, open your eyes and see what God is up to. He said, don't let the enemy fog your eyeglasses to the glory of God in your life. He said, I want you to stop meditating on what God is doing in your life. I want you to start meditating on some things that God brought you through. I want you to start meditating on every single thing that God, from the minute to the great. And I want you to shut all that pity partying down and look at the goodness of God. I give you the same word today. Come on out of that pity party. We ain't going to join you. Look at what God is doing in your life. If I was in the old church, I'd say he woke you up this morning and started you on your way. I wish I had some help. The old deacon deacon used to say, I'm glad the four corners of this room ain't the four corners of my cooling board. That means a grave. That means a a casket. In other words, everybody in here got something to thank him for. Why? Because the multifaceted nature of the essence of God is to be comprehensively experienced in the life of his people. Oh, y'all ain't going to help pastor today. But I'm just trying to let you know that you should have a new song within you. That new song means that God is always up to you. see. See, when you stop allowing yourself to focus on the freshness of what it means to experience God, then the Christian life becomes boring. That's why artists, y'all should never have no writer's block. You can't, how are you going to have writer's block? on the one who knows everything actual and potential. And Psalm 90 verse 2 says he's from everlasting to everlasting. He is God. And so that means that there's so much in the essence of God to worship him about that each aspect of his essence is worthy to be meditated on for it now and forever without you even touching the other aspects of his essence, because that's how expansive he is in his eternality in every single aspect of his essence. Oh, y'all ain't going to talk back to me, but I'm just trying to let you know that God is massive. And God is so massive. He enjoys experiencing himself. You know, you find when you can look in the mirror and say and just enjoy yourself. That's what God does for eternity. He looks at him and says, "Dad," he just go like this. Wow, he, you know, look because, because, because he's the only one that can call himself fine and not be vain. <laughs> Wish I had some help. See, he so he so and so he said, "Man, you look good. Look at your glory. Look at your grace." He started going like this and everything because listen, God is smoking. And because he's smoking, he can love on himself and invite you. He said, y'all should look at me for a second. He said, come on over here look at how look at, look at that. Pow, look at your God. Look right there at that glory right there. Look right here at your, listen, y'all ain't going, but this, this is the issue. God is so glorious that we should be entering into new experiences of experiencing him. I'm going to move on. So the issue is the Bible expects us to have fresh experiences with God. In addition, it points to the fact that we will have them and must be looking for them like we said. So the force of this idea points to this. He says, sing to the Lord. And I'm going to come back to another point. But he says, sing to the Lord. He said, oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Then he says, sing to the Lord all the earth. This is powerful. Now, when he says, sing to the Lord all the earth, he expands it because the, 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 the mission of the people of God forever was that worship was to communicate something. And it was to communicate something beyond themselves. In other words, worship was supposed to be a mechanism to communicate God so powerfully that other people would hear about him and that the whole earth would respond to the people of God's worship of him. That's why in the Old Testament, the the, the children of Israel were supposed to be on mission for God. They weren't supposed to just enjoy themselves and and enjoy what it meant to be a Jew. No, they were supposed to proclaim his excellencies and communicate his excellencies uh, to to the whole world. And so so they're singing and and, and the glorious uh, grace of God was to be communicated to lost people all over the globe. And that's why we exist. I'm going to come back to that point. But this is very, very important for the people of God to understand that the goal of God is to see his name magnified in all the earth. Then it says, sing to the Lord, bless his name. All right, let's stop there. Now, now when it says sing to the Lord, singing is an imperative here. That means that it is imperative if you're redeemed to open your mouth and sing to the Lord. Now, Now, this is simple, but it's profound. Because some of us who claim to be redeemed, when it's time to sing and exalt the name of God, you're sitting there looking around at everybody with your mouth closed. But the Bible calls worship an imperative. It, it, it's not an option. So that means that, means that, that, that it's an imperative, but it's supposed, to be, uh, uh, it's supposed to be a passionate imperative. What do I mean by that? It doesn't just mean doing it out of nothing. It means doing it because of someone. Now, when you worship as an imperative, God doesn't just want you to worship merely as a command, even though it is a command. He wants you to want him and want him in worshiping him so that you communicate worship for him out of the affections of your heart. That means just because you're a man doesn't mean you're a punk because you worship. That doesn't, it doesn't mean because you lift up your hands you're a sucker. It doesn't, mean, it doesn't mean that, matter of fact, the most masculine thing that you can do with your life is to worship the Lord. Paul told Timothy in chapter 2 of, of First Timothy, he said, he, he said I, w- I wish that the men everywhere would lift up holy hands. Why did he say that? Because the men were fighting in the gathering. He said, stop fighting each other and get your hands up before the living God and worship out. The most masculine thing you can do, fellas, is lift your hand. I ain't lifting up my hand. Now, let me tell you something. If you recognize who God is, it is a divine responsibility for you. If you're on, the, on heaven's team. The teammates of God put their hands in the air for the king of kings. But not only is that an imperative, it says bless his name. Now, blessing his name is also with imperatible force as well. Now, now bless here means to adore. That means to have affection for. Now, it says bless his name, meaning have, uh, as, you, as you sing to him and as you communicate to him, you bless his name. In other words, adoring his name. Now, what does name represent? Name is a point of, uh, of character and, and, and reputation. It, it points to character and reputation. That is, we are to communicate adoration for the name of God that is the covenant name of God. So when we look at this word, Lord, all caps, it's the word Yahweh. Uh, uh, And and this word was the name that was utilized in Tanakh or the Old Testament to get in contact with the living God. In other words, when Abraham, I I tell y'all this every week, when Abraham went to the land of Canaan for the first time and he built an altar, he, he built an altar to the Lord. He called upon the name of the Lord. Uh, um, um, when, when, when you look at um, when Moses took off his sandals on top of Mount Sinai, uh, when he took off his sandals, he says, he, says, he says, who should I tell him when God told him? He said, he said, I am that I am, pointing to the fact that he is the Lord and he's the covenant-keeping, the covenant-making sovereign Lord. The name Yahweh became so potent to the people of God that they were extremely careful with how they used it. In, in, in other words, in the, in the Ten Commandments, it says, do not uh, uh, use the Lord your God's name in vain. When it talks about using his name in vain, in other words, this name isn't for regular usage. B- because, because God wanted his name to have reservations on it. So that when you heard his name, there was a heart disposition of your affections that connected to the name because of how you use it and the place that it has in your life. Now, now we're in the New Testament era where God has taken everything that Yahweh's name is and injected it in the name of Jesus Christ. So that means healing is in his name. Power is in his name. Grace is in his name. Worship is in his name. Provision is in his name. So that the Bible said that at the name of Jesus Christ, that every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that he's Lord to God the Father. How do I know that God has transferred those names? Because in the Great Commission, it says, he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit uses a singular idea to talk about the plurality of the Godhead by which Jesus Christ's name or Yeshua Messiah is the entrance word uh, to get to the access to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit so that it's not merely a term that's used when somebody cuts you off in traffic. Oh, y'all got real quiet, especially this side of the room. Y'all went dead silent on me. Somebody must have had some issues this morning. In in, in other words, the commonality of the name of God through Jesus Christ is supposed to be a very, very unique name where you're not saying uh, Jesus blankety-blank Christ. Because as people use that, it denounces the depth of what that name represents. That's why many of us don't reverence Jesus' name much. Because his name has become common to us. That's why it's not a lot of adoration in his name. That's why we said this morning, bless that wonderful name of Jesus. He's my rock. He's my fortress. He's my deliverer in whom I trust. Bless that name of Jesus. Why is that so important? Because his name has potency to access us to everything that God has for us. And so that's why he says bless his name as an imperative, an imperative Uh, an imperatible force that blows our minds for his name. It says, sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day. Uh, so, so, So what the psalmist is calling the people to is he says, I want you to begin to communicate when God gives you freedom from something. In other words, salvation in the Old Testament was more situational than it was ultimate. It meaning day-to-day situations where God, whether he pulled you out of a temptation or he pulled you out of something that could have destroyed you. Uh, um, um, what happens there is you're supposed to be willing to tell and testify about the fact that the God, the God of heaven is presently active in your life. That's the point. That means that you are experiencing God, not just theologizing God. Yeah. See, 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 many of us, see, see, some of us like information about God. But we're not in contact with God. In, in, in other words, a friend of mine, me and him, was arguing. He was he was spouting out all of this hyper intellectualism, and and you know you know I like intellectualism. Y'all know I like theology, but I was like, youngin. I was like, look, man. Um, that's my DC. I'm sorry. Um, but I, I, I said I said look, man. I said I said I, there, there seems to be a divide in all of that esoteric, weighty theological information that you communicate. And and your life lining up with your passion for the information that you communicate. It seems that you're more hyper excited about being right, not walking in righteousness. And, And he said, well, doc, he said, well, doc, you know, preachers call each other doc. He said, well, doc, you know, that's a false dichotomy. I said, well, in philosophy, that can be a false dichotomy. But in Christianity, there is no false dichotomy because intellect is always supposed to be connected to experience. Listen, this is what gets on my nerves about hyper conservative fundamentalist Christianity is we relegate God to a theological construct, not a lifestyle to be connected to. In other words, you get excited when somebody parses a verb or gives the great lexical meaning or quote one of the great reformers. But at the end of the day, the only activity that's happening in your life is the insertation of new information, not the experience of transformation. See, when you're experiencing God's deliverance from day to day, that means you wanted to look at a porn sight and the Holy Ghost let the phone ring. I wish I had some help right there. Then Listen, listen, listen. When, when, when you're looking at his deliverance day to day, that means there was an accident that almost happened. You were texting on your phone. And you should have been looking up. And all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost pulled your head up and put your foot on the brake. That means he delivered you that day. Some of y'all are hearing me today. Listen, you better begin to recognize and begin to enjoy that God, listen, some stuff was meant for you that God didn't even let you see in the spirit realm. And God, through the Holy Spirit, cut the devil off from doing some stuff. You should be blessing him for what you didn't know that he delivered you from. See, you're, you, ought to, you ought to just have a prayer. Listen, your plane was going through some turbulence when you were on that plane. And the plane was going to go down. But because God blessed you and you prayed before you, when you went through turbulence, a turbulence could have turned into an accident, but he sustained it. I wish I had some help. See, when you know that God is the only way that you survive today, God is the only way you're living today, God is the only way you're where you are today, when, when you recognize that, But let's take it a step deeper. If he didn't save you, you'd be spending eternity in hell. Separated from him forever. Now if you praise him already, you should be running right about now. Because I'm glad that he didn't let me spend eternity. That's his, you better tell of his goodness. You better tell of his glory. You better tell of his good. You better learn how to worship God. I gotta move. I don't usually holler this so much. I need some water. <laughs> I, I remember, I remember when the old church they used to tell me the same story over and over and over again. Before I was a believer, I was like, oh, I shut up. But when I became a Christian, I understand why they keep telling those stories of deliverance. Because they didn't forget all his benefits. Wish yeah. I had some help. Listen, you, listen I, 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 my, my, dad, my dad tells me all kinds of stories. He told me the story. He said, son, he said I was a Buffalo soldier, uh, infantry, dropping mortars on the Japanese and the Tuskegee Airmen flying over top of us. And he said, they're in the airplanes, but we're on the ground. And he said, the bombs are dropping. And he said, what we would do is, he said, in order to survive, He says, sometimes, son, I had to get in a pile of dead bodies and and sleep within the dead bodies because if they saw a pile of dead bodies, the enemy, the enemy wouldn't bother us. And he said, So I would be awake in the midst of smelling dead bodies, praying that they don't shoot or do or drop a grenade on us. He said, Sometimes, son, when, it, when they started bombing us, I would lay in a bomb crater because it's a million out of one that a bomb will get back in that crater once again. And I would lay in it, praying that these bombs that are dropping won't get on me. And he said, Son, I lost my kidney in the first one with no anesthesia getting it pulled out, son. He said, He said, He said, listen, he said, and I'm here to tell you, son, he said, I might not know much, but I know his goodness. And I know his deliverance. And he said, and I've seen him take care. Listen, let me tell you something. You better let God be true and every man be a liar. Wish I had time. I'm just telling y'all some story. My father in the ministry, I went to spend some time with him. And he said, I remember when we were meeting in a building. And he said, we were meeting in this. He said, we had no place to go. And he said, God, he said, he said, I don't know why. He said, now, nah, I know. He, he said, usually we take this out of context. He said, but God told me to go out on Camp Wisdom Road. That's where the church is now, 1808 West Camp Wisdom Road, Dallas, Texas. And, and he, said, he said, he went out there walking on Camp Wisdom Road. And he said, he was reading the scriptures, and the Lord had him turn to Joshua 1. And the Holy Spirit led him to pray over the land. And he said, Lord, this ain't in context. He said, pray. I put stuff in context. You pray. So he said, he said, I want you to walk up and down this street and claim all this land. He said, what? He said, I do you know, that wasn't his theological construct, but the spirit of God was pushing him. So he started walking down the street. There was nothing there but forest and trees. And he started walking down the street, just praying over everything. Just laying hands on, on trees and grass and rocks and everything and praying. He's like, okay. But now it's almost 40 years later, and they own over 150 acres on the very land that God the Spirit told him and over 100,000 square feet of space. Listen, God may tell you to do some stupid and crazy looking things in the eyes of man, but the problem with many of us is we're so deep. We're so deep that we can't, that's, when you tell of his goodness from day to day, that means that you are currently experiencing his delivery. He said he was walking past, and the guy didn't know how they was going to pay this, for this building. He said the guy was standing on the outside of it. He said the church was having issues and everything, and he's sitting on the outside talking to this one dude trying to raise money. He said, and this dude kept peeking in the room. And he said he kept peeking in the room. And then he came and sat down inside the meeting. He's like, now, this is rude. This dude just going to sit down. And just say, and then he said, he said, sir, how much did you say that building was? He gave him a number. He said, okay, no problem. Wrote the check and gave him a check for the entire facility. (laughs) Listen, when God blesses you, it's always more than just for you. That's why it tells us to tell of his salvation from day to day. Because you don't know who going to be blessed, but them believing God for the deliverance that God delivered you with. Oh, you don't think I'm in the Bible? In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, it says when you've been through something tough and God begins to comfort you, God is comforting you to comfort the other people who haven't gotten deliverance with the comfort that you've been comforted with him. I got to move. I got to move. It says, declare his glory to the nations. I like that. Declare his glory to the nations. His, now, now, this is when you want out of preaching room. That's when you, this is when you know that your homiletical devices are limited when you have to talk about the essence of God in human language and expect people to get it. When I look at the glory of God, I always get overwhelmed when I have to, when the word glory shows up in the text that I'm gonna preach. When the word glory shows up in the text that I'm gonna preach, I always get scared, because I'm like, will people even get this idea of the glory of God? Because I've read, I've read multiple lexicons over the last 20 years I've studied Hebrew for two years, two and a half years of Greek, translated different books of the Bible and and all of that kind of stuff, and still find myself at wit's end to exegetically communicate the massivity of his glory. But if you would just deal with me for a while, I want to touch on it just a little bit. It says we are to proclaim his glory or declare his glory. That, That means to preach about his glory. Now, that means our worship should be proclamational. Our worship should be so proclamational <coughs> that it communicates <coughs> to the believer and the lost. Check it out. Glory means this. It refers to the majesty and aura of God's heaviness and God's reputation and his weightiness. In, in, in other words, it's, it's, it's the point of his divine presence. So glory is that attribute of God in relation to man which we magnify <clears throat> and place a magnifying glass to the greatness of who he fully is, does, or an aspect, or both. Did you get that? So, so, so God's glory is that part of his essence that shows off the, his entire essence. That means he's not just love, but he's glorious love. He's not just grace, he's glorious grace. He's not just holiness, he's glorious holiness. He's not just omnipotence, he's glorious omnipotence. He's not just gl- um, omnipresent, he's glorious omnipresence. In other words, in other words, glory is the aspect of God's essence, essence that's the marketer of the godhead. It markets who God is so that the people who know him can magnify him in the world. Y'all looking at me funny. When I was little, you know, we some bad little boys. You know, we used to, we used to do some trifling stuff to animals and and insects, just some, just some old messed up type stuff that should be in like a kid's book, right? But, but we, I used to take my mama's magnifying glass from um, her office. And what I would do is, 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 is we, would, we would pour a little bit of Kool-Aid on the ground or a quarter water. we pour some quarter water. Y'all don't know about that. Little John, look like a barrel. It's got little colors, you know what I'm saying? You drink it, there's more sugar in it than a pound of sugar. But anyway, you pour that thing out there, then all the ants will come over and be all over there. We'd be, like, <laughs> we be laughing like a mug. Ain't washing in three days. You know, boys, we, you know how we do. And so, um, little boys, we hated to wash. Dirt Doblin, ringworms and everything. So y'all don't know nothing about that. So I take the magnifying glass and, and take the, uh, the sun that's far, far away. That, that we experienced, it may have been a little hot outside, but you know, it wasn't, it, but, but we took the magnifying glass <clears throat> and the heat from the sun would hit the magnifying glass. And when it hit the magnifying glass, it would intensify the light of the sun that's far, far away. Y'all going to get with me in a second. And it, would, it, and it would beam onto the ants and light them on fire. In, 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 other words, in other words, this magnifying glass was to take power from far away and show it off up close. It was to take something that was up in the heavenlies and let it touch the street. See, your life, when you glorify God, is a magnifying glass. And when you magnify him, you don't make him more. You just sow the intensity of his essence on planet earth. I wish I had some help. See, that's what your life was meant for. We are to glorify God and set stuff on fire through our worship and honor of the living God. Then he says, th- th- this, this, and this just points to a book that I read. One of my, it's one of my top five books, one of my top five books I've ever read in my life. I've read a ton of them, but, um, I mean, I got a 5,000-book library, literally. And, but this book out of, is in my top five, all right? Now, this is crazy. In his book, Let the Nations Be Glad, Dr. John Piper says something that, that phenomenally helps me to recognize the connection between missions and worship. He says, missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. He said, missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions. Because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over, and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. Y'all ain't get that. He said, missions is a temporary necessity. But worship abides forever. Worship, therefore, is the fuel and goal of missions. It's the goal of missions because in missions we simply aim to bring the nations into the white-hot enjoyment of God's glory. So the goal of missions is the gladness of the peoples in the earth in the greatness of who God is. He says, but worship also is the fuel for missions. Passion for God in worship precedes the offer of God in preaching. Did you hear that? Yeah. See, see, what we're supposed to do in a phenomenal, in a phenomenal, phenomenal way is recognize that our worship ain't just for us. Yeah. That's why if I hear one more person ask me about speaking in tongues and, and just about it being in a prayer language, y'all know we believe in the gifts, but I'm tired of us talking about that. The reason why I'm tired of us talking about it, because it's always about the person individually. When you look at worship in its more expansive nature and the use of speaking in tongues based on 1 Corinthians 14, it's to edify believers and to proclaim the gospel to non-believers. If you don't want to do that, don't keep talking to me about tongues. Because tongues is more than just about you, you purring like a kitten in, the, in your private gathering. You can do that, all right? But, but, but it's really about bringing people into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and somebody else's life being better. That's why our worship has to be less, it has to be more diverse. Because that's why we're here. This is a multi ethnic church for one reason. People are always ask me, Pastor, how did y'all get this to be a multi ethnic church? Prayer. What's your strategy for getting white people and black people and Asian people and Haitian people and, and Latino people all in the same room? Prayer how did you get, I mean, I just wanted. to, can you write a book on the strategy? I said, I'd be lying if I wrote a book on how the church became multi-ethnic because it came based on God's mercy and grace of him, of him wanting his glory more than I want to glorify him. Listen, 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 worship is about God making us uncomfortable. If, if, if worship is not about you being comfortable and having everything you want in a church. I've had people come in here saying, this church is too multi-ethnic. We can't have all these. I need somebody to minister to my ethnic needs. I said, well, it's the wrong church for you. I said, I said, because we want to minister to kingdom need, not your personal preference needs. And, 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 and that's why we, that, that we exist. To show off the glory of God through all the nations. And a multiplicity of tongues and nations exists in this ministry. Not because of anything anybody in leadership did, but it's because of the goodness of God. And the reason why we do all of that we do is to magnify the name of the Lord globally. The reason why we're doing missions in Malawi is to see the name and goodness of the living God throughout the entire earth, including there. And we want to empower the indigenous leaders there to minister to their own people versus bringing Western philosophical constructs over there to Westernize them into our philosophy and then denounce the value of the gospel of Jesus Christ because we want to import our culture, not the Lord Jesus Christ. Why do we plant a church in the worst city of America, send them over to Camden, New Jersey? Why? Why not? Why, why not? We, we lo- listen, listen to me. Say, people Coming to me all the time. Why y'all plant churches? I say, I say they say it's enough churches. I said. based on what? They said facilities. I, every time I go, it's a church on every corner. I said, I, I, heard that all, I heard that all until I started pastoring. And I, and, I said, and I said, the average church in Philadelphia has 20 people. Okay? That's number one. But building doesn't mean church. Okay? I wish I had some help. All right. In light of that, I say now, there are six million people in the Delaware Valley. Okay, six million. If every, if all the six million people went to church gatherings at the same time in a building or a home or wherever they gather, it would be over 5.6 million people unable to be in the presence of God with the people of God. In the northeastern part of the United States, it is from DC to the New England States on the borders of Canada, It is 95% unchurched. 95% of the people do not know Jesus Christ. So why do we worship? To plant churches and to send out leaders to be able to magnify the name of the God, to plant the gospel, to see more people come to Jesus Christ and become worshipers of God. There are going to be people that come through here that's not going to stay. This may be a fueling station for their development. Uh, that, that, that's why we have College Connect. Some of the college students, they'll come from all over the place. And they'll come, some of them will come unsaved, not knowing Jesus Christ as Savior. But they'll rub up against somebody that, 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 that is bold enough to share to them about the goodness of Jesus Christ. And they'll go, from, they'll go from spiritual death to spiritual life. And then they'll graduate from school and they'll go into the world where they came from. Somebody will say, Pastor, that's a loss. I said, no, the kingdom wins because somebody came to Christ. And then they go somewhere and they tell somebody else about Christ and they disciple them and tell them about Christ and disciple them and tell them about Christ. We're going to have ministers and leaders and urban missionaries come through here. And we believe that this is a fueling station for global missions. That's what worship is about. Worship is about the church holding everything that God has given it. In an open hand, recognizing that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and all that that are contained in it. And when you recognize that, God won't bless you if you close your hand, like the old mothers used to say. See, 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 you're supposed to be a pipeline, not a puddle. Jesus Christ, death on the cross, he died so that nations would be in heaven people from every single tongue and tribe, even those who are, who have multi biracial parents. He wants every type of biracial person in heaven. Did you hear that? So some of y'all married outside of your race by design because God wanted you to have children raise them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord, and they become believers so that they're in heaven. So they're like, what are you? I'm this and this, but I'm a part of more, but I'm something else. You know what I'm saying? God used me to make something. In other words, God is expansive about the different types of people that are going to worship him. And the church has to get its worship more than just a moment in time in the gathering of the saints, but it's a lifestyle that is a springboard for people coming to know Jesus Christ as Savior. That's is the mission of worship. Father, we thank you and honor you that Christ's death is sufficient to bring all types of people groups into a relationship with you. And God, I'm excited that there is a representation of the nations even here, Lord God. Yes, I have a heart for our countrymen, but Lord God, my heart can't just be regulated to my personal passions our personal passions and personal preferences. But God, we want to see the mission of worship find its way into us being passionate about reflecting you where we live and dwell. Lord, be honored and glorified today in the way we interact, the way we uh, just exalt you, every single area of life. Maybe it's someone here, God, that doesn't know you as Savior, doesn't know you in the pardon of your, their sins and have trusted in the death of Jesus Christ as the means by which our relationship with you is restored. Their sins are forgiven, and they're raised from the grave with you to live a brand spanking new life in light of their relationship with you. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as saving, you want to put your confidence in him. Slip your hand in the air. We love to communicate the gospel to you. We love to talk to you about the death and resurrection of Christ, and how to come into a renewing relationship with him.